Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan, and this is the podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. This season, we are reading The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and that means there are going to be spoilers because we're reading it out loud. So if you need to catch up, go over to season four of Bandcamp, and you can start with episode one. Also, follow us on Instagram at Bandcamp underscore podcast. And before Jen starts reading, let's introduce the third member of our team, our trusty robot. Look at this guy. Here he is, robot. Please give us an overview of where we left off last time. Last time on Bandcamp, Huck and Tom were in the thick of an escape plan that's more convoluted than a plot twist in a soap opera. Tom's flair for the dramatic has them considering everything from pies as communication devices to sauce hidden in cakes. Is this a jailbreak or a baker's convention? Get it? Baker's convention. What happens next? You're about to find out. Thank you, robot. With that being said, let's begin chapter 36 of Huckleberry Finn. Dan, less than 10 chapters to go. do this. As soon as we reckoned everybody was asleep that night, we went down the lightning rod and shut ourselves up in the lean-to, and we got out our pile of foxfire and went to work. We cleared everything out of the way, about four or five foot along the middle of the bottom log. Tom said we was right behind Jim's bed now, and we dug in under it, and when we got through there, couldn't nobody in the cabin ever know there was any hole there, because Jim's counterpin hung down most to the ground, and you'd have to raise it up and look under to see the hole. So we dug and dug with the case knives till most midnight, and then we was dog-tired, and our hands was blistered, and yet you couldn't see we'd done anything hardly. This is where I say it's useless. <laughs> What's with the effort? At last, I says, this ain't no 37-year job. This is a 38-year job, Tom Sawyer. He never said nothing, but he sighed. And pretty soon, he stopped digging. And then for a good little while, I knowed that he was thinking. Then he says, it ain't no use, Huck. It ain't a going to work. If we was prisoners, it would, because then we'd have as many years as we wanted. And no hurry. And we wouldn't get but a few minutes to dig every day while they was changing watches, and so our hands wouldn't get blistered, and we could keep it up right along, year in and year out, and do it right, and the way it ought to be done. But we can't fool along. We got to rush. We ain't got no time to spare. If we was to put in another night this way, we'd have to knock off a week to let our hands get well. Couldn't touch a case knife with them sooner. So this is Tom finally, like, coming around to reason? Yeah, it turns out my idea is stupid. <laughs> Yeah, we can't fool along. So maybe he's finally like, uh, we don't have time for this. Let's just do the quick, fast, and easy route. Well, let's make a bet because, again, neither of us have read the book. Will they do the fast route right now? Because you made fun of him for the last two episodes that he can't do the easy thing. Or will he come up with another convoluted, complicated plan that just will go faster? I'm going to choose B, convoluted plan. I don't I think, think his too. brain, that's just the way his brain works. I don't know. He's got like some sort of disorder. I don't know. Yeah, It's not fun to move a piece of wood and lift up the bed and just walk out with Jim. It's, it's not fun. He can't do it. Hmm. I think the adventures are better when you don't plan them. He's totally planning this whole thing. Like, why not just do the easy thing, get on the road and see what adventures happen? It's a better way. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I agree. Anyways, let's see what we're in for here. Well, then, what we going to do, Tom? I'll tell you. It ain't right, and it ain't moral, and I wouldn't like it to get out. 
but there ain't only just the one way. We got to dig him out with the picks and let on its case knives. Now you're talking, I says. Your head gets leveler and leveler all the time, Tom Sawyer, I says. Picks is the thing. Moral or no moral. And as for me, I don't care shucks for the morality of it, no how. When I start in to steal a N-word or a watermelon or a Sunday school book, I ain't no ways particular how it's done, so it's done. What I want is my N-word or what I want is my watermelon or what I want is my Sunday school book. And if it picks the handiest thing, that's the thing I'm a going to dig that N-word or that watermelon or that Sunday school book out with. And I don't give a dead rat what the authorities think about it, another. All right. He just wants to get the job done. And I want to agree with him, but man, it's a hefty use of the N-word there. It's real hard to agree it's, with him. It's a lot. I almost wonder, didn't they have, couldn't they say black person or enslaved person? Did they even have that language? I genuinely don't know. Because I'm older than you. It seemed like, uh, as a whole, America really got in coming up with a lot of black uh, slang words in the 70s, during the Starsky and Hutch era. I think maybe they only had N-word back then. But Huck does refer to him as a slave. I mean, why not just say that? He has yeah, said that true. about him before. Yeah, and I don't like how he throws him in with like a watermelon or a book. He's like just, it's a just thing. another object. Yeah. Yeah. Like I expect Tom Sawyer to do that because that's what he's done. But it is weird for Huck to do it because he loves Jim. Jim is like the father figure and he is literally saying, I mean, you know, when I want something like a book, a sandwich, I get it. It's like, well, it's weird to say that. I feel like Huck Finn is at a crossroads here where. He's got his two really good friends. He's done a, you know, adventures with both now. He's mm. been friends with Jim and he's been friends with Tom. And now mm. he's kind of like in this weird position where it's like, is he going to do Tom's thing or is he going to do what he really needs to do and help Jim get the heck out of there? Yeah. You just got, uh, we say it every episode, he's got to cut bait. He's got to get mm -hmm. Jim out and send Tom on his way. I know it's hard to grow up. It's probably hard for Huck to grow up. He's left his home already. That's a big deal. But he needs to leave his friend. Like that's a part of growing up is sometimes you just part ways yeah. with friends. I wonder what's going to happen in the end. I bet he's going to go out west, become a lumberjack, move to Portland. That's my fantasy end to all the books. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. On Wednesday I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. This sound file has come from season to season. It <laughs> well, just don't make says, sense, oh. I tell you. It makes no sense. <laughs> the answer to everything, Dan, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, he says, there's excuse for picks and letting on in a case like this. If it weren't so, I wouldn't approve of it, nor I wouldn't stand by and see the rules broke. I, I don't know what rules they're talking about, like the rules set in the adventure stories. In the adventure books. Okay, fine. Because right is right and wrong is wrong. And a body yeah. ain't got no business doing wrong when he ain't ignorant and knows better. That's right, Huck. Listen to what you're saying. <laughs> it might answer for you to dig Jim out with a pick without any letting on because you don't know no better. But it wouldn't do for me because I do know better. Give me a case knife. He had his own by him and I handed him mine. He flung it down and says, 
give me a case knife. I didn't know just what to do, but then I thought they're going to go back to case knives, Dan, because that's the right way to do it. This is like so tedious. I hate reading this. I hate it so much. I didn't know just what to do, but then I thought. I scratched around amongst the old tools and got a pickaxe and gave it to him, and he took it and went to work and never said a word. Oh, I see. They're calling the pickaxes case knives just to like make themselves feel better. Yeah, that must be it. <laughs> oh my God. Why don't they just do what you said last time and just I don't get Jim out right now and then say they went in with a hang glider and a machine gun and whatever you want to say. Make it as complicated <laughs> as you can, but just do it. He was always just that particular, full of principle. So then I got a shovel and then we picked and shoveled, turned about and made the fur fly. We stuck to it about a half an hour, which was as long as we could stand up but we had a good deal of a hole to show for it. When I got upstairs, I looked out the window and see Tom doing his level best with the lightning rod, but he couldn't come it. His hands was so sore. At last he says, it ain't no use. It can't be done. What you reckon I better do? Can't you think of no way? Yes, I says, but I reckon it ain't regular. Come up the stairs and let on it's a lightning rod. <laughs> so he done it. Next day, Tom stole a pewter spoon and a brass candlestick in the house for to make some pens for Jim out of and six tallow candles. And I hung around the N-word cabins and laid for a chance and stole three tin plates. Tom says it wasn't enough, but I said nobody wouldn't ever see the plates that Jim throwed out because they'd fall in the dog fennel and gypsum weeds under the window hole. Then we could tote them back and he could use them over again. So Tom was satisfied. Then he says, Now... The thing to study out is how to get the things to Jim. Take them in through the hole, I says, when we get it done. He only just looked scornful and said something about nobody ever heard of such an idiotic idea. And then he went to studying. By and by, he says he had... I love that he always gets pissed off. It's like, like, that would be the dumbest thing I have never heard. Why, how you talk. It's it's not sensical. God, it's just, it's, oh boy. By and by, he said he had ciphered out two or three ways, but there weren't no need to decide on any of them yet. Said we got to get post-gym first. That night, we went down the lightning rod a little after 10 and took one of the candles along and listened under the window hole and heard Jim snoring. So we pitched it in and didn't wake him. Then we whirled in with the pick and shovel. And in about two hours and a half, the job was done. We crept in under Jim's bed and into the cabin and pawed around and found the candle and lit it and stood over Jim a while and found him looking hearty and healthy. And then we woke him up gentle and gradual. He was so glad to see us. He most cried. Oh my God, it's so sad. Like Jim, Jim's like the only one that has feelings or something. Tom for sure doesn't. Huck is grappling with his feelings. But yeah, you're right. Jim is the one with feelings. That's interesting. He was so glad to see us. He most cried and called us honey and all the pet names he could think of, and was for having us hunt up a cold chisel to cut the chain off his leg with right away, and clearing out without losing any time. (laughs) He's like, let's get out of here. (laughs) Oh, good, it's you. Let's go. And Tom is like, listen, I I agree with you on principle, but here's the thing. And then he goes into his BS. Yeah, that's actually what happens here. But Tom, he showed him how unregular it would be and sat down and told him all about our plan and how we would alter them in a minute anytime there was an alarm. 
and not to be the least afraid because he would see he got away, sure. So Jim, he said it was all right. Why are they all agreeing with Tom? Okay, so Jim said it was all right and we sat there and talked over old times a while. And then Tom asked a lot of questions. And when Jim told him Uncle Silas came in every day or two to pray with him, and Aunt Sally come in to see if he was comfortable and had plenty to eat, and both of them was kind as they could be, Tom says, Now I know how to fix it. We'll send you some things by them. I said, Don't do nothing of the kind. It's one of the most jackass ideas I ever struck. But he never paid no attention to me. Went right on. See, that's the mark. He's not a good friend. Huck's always listening to him. He won't listen to Huck. Right. I don't like it. But he never paid no attention to me. Went right on. It was his way when he'd got his plan set. So he told Jim how we'd have to smuggle in the rope ladder pie and other large things by Nat, the N-word that fed him. And he must be on the lookout and not be surprised and not let Nat see him open them. And we would put small things in Uncle's coat pockets and he must steal them out. Oh, boy, this is putting him in danger. I don't like it. Your kid, that is the plan? Oh, my God. And we would tie things to Aunt's apron strings or put them in her apron pocket, if we got a chance, and told him what they would be and what they was for, and told him how to keep the journal on the shirt with his blood and all that. He told him everything. Jim couldn't see no sense in the most of it, but he allowed we was white folks and knowed better than him. Wrong. So he was satisfied and said he would do it all just as Tom said. Okay, so everyone just trusts trust the white people even though things aren't going that well? I don't know. Uh, I want Jim just right now and just like to stand up and go, I've got another plan. And then he turns violent and he kills Tom. <laughs> and goes, Huck and Tom are free and now they moved in. There's clearly a way to move out. They could leave now. What is this? It's just a bunch of weird, nonsensical garbledygook. Yeah. Jim had plenty corncob pipes and tobacco, so we had a right down good sociable time. Then we crawled out through the hole and so home to bed, with hands that looked like they'd been chawed. Tom was in high spirits. He said it was the best fun he ever had in his life and the most intellectual and said if he could see his way to it, he would keep it up all the rest of our lives and leave Jim to our children to get out. For he believed Jim would come to like it better and better the more he got used to it. Well, it's giving me like, it's like a reverberation of when Huck was with his pap. He didn't like it at first. He was a prisoner, but then he, he kind of got to like it. It's kind mm. of a weird thing. I think it's a point that you can just be stuck in what you were. You know how Huck's kind of the adventures, like he's he's actually growing up and changing who he is. Like you could stay who you are, like Pap in a cabin in the woods, yeah. or you could get out and expand your mind and change your mind. And it's like with Jim, I think he's making a point that Jim should be free here. Like he shouldn't just be a enslaved person going from yeah. one generation to the next. Like I, I read a little bit about ab the abolitionist movement and some of them, like there were always arguments like, oh no, no. It, it's like a really, really familiar argument that we hear to this day where it's like, oh, we can't go too fast. We have to do things incrementally. Like first we have to do this step and then we have right. to do this step. Right. 
And like there were some abolitionists that believed that like, oh, we can't just free everyone at once. That would be crazy. We got to do it this way, like one step, then another step. And then there were other abolitionists that were like, no, we just say they're free and then they're, they're free. So. Right. Why can't, are we wired as people to not take the easy way out sometimes? I mean, I think sometimes, yeah, this might be Mark Twain poking fun at how how people were like that. It's a ludicrous argument. Well, we can't we believe they should be free, but we can't just do it instantaneously. It has to be step by step. Like <laughs> don't get crazy here. Let's not <laughs> go so crazy. Weird. We could give everyone free healthcare, but let's not go crazy. Like That's- there's all kinds of things like that. There's all I mean you still hear it to this day about how you can't just do it. He said that in that way it could be strung out as much as 80 year and would be the best time on record. And he said it would make us all celebrated that had a hand in it. In the morning, we went out to the woodpile and chopped up the brass candlestick into handy sizes. And Tom put them and the pewter spoon in his pocket. Then we went to the N-word cabins. And while I got Nat's notice off, Tom shoved a piece of candlestick into the middle of a corn corn pone. Corn pone. Into the middle of a corn pone that was in Jim's pan. And we went along with Nat to see how it would work. And it worked just noble. When Jim bit into it, most mashed all his teeth out. Dumb kids. I think it's <laughs> stupid. It's like, if you cannot make a more dumb plan than this plan. <laughs> and there weren't ever anything could have worked better. Tom said so himself. Jim, he never let on, but what it was only just a piece of rock or something like that. That's always getting into bread, you know. But after that, he never bit into nothing but what he jabbed his fork into three or four places first. And while we was standing there in the dimmish light, here comes a couple of the hounds bulging in from under Jim's bed. And they kept on piling in till there was 11 of them. They're coming in through the hole that goes to under Jim's bed. <laughs> dogs. For some reason, I have to imagine them as small dogs. 11. They must be like chihuahua size. I, I don't want to say I grew up on a plantation, but I grew up on a farm and farms have big dogs. That's right. This BS with me having uh, two and a half chihuahuas, this is all relatively new to me. And there weren't hardly room in there to get your breath. By jings, we forgot to fasten that lean-to door. The N-word gnat, he only just hollered, witches once, and keeled over onto the floor amongst the dogs and began to groan like he was dying. Tom jerked the door open and flung out a slab of Jim's meat, and the dogs went for it. And in two seconds, he was out himself and back again and shut the door. And I knowed he'd fix the other door too. So there was a way to freedom the whole time. All he had to do was crawl under his bed. I think he should just get out by himself. These two knuckleheads. Jim disguised himself as a dog and crawled out with the dogs. (laughs) Oh my God. Then he went to work on the N-word, coaxing him and petting him and asking him if he'd been imagining he saw something again. He raised up and blinked his eyes around and says, Mars Sid, you'll say I's a fool. But if I didn't believe I see most a million dogs or devils or something, I wished I may die right here in these tracks. I did most surely. Ma said, I felt him. I felt him, sir. Day was all over me. Dad fetch it. I just wished I could get my hands on one or dem witches just once. Only just once. It's all I'd asked. But mostly I wish they'd let me alone. I does. Tom says, well, I tell you what I think. What makes them come here just at breakfast time? It's because they're hungry. That's the reason. You make them a witch pie. That's the thing for you to do. 
I happen to have one right here. And he pulls out <laughs> a pie with a rope ladder stuffed in it. <laughs> but my landma said, how's I going to make him a witch pie? I don't know how to make it. I hain't ever heard such a thing before. Well then, I'll have to make it myself. Will you do it, honey? Will you? I'll worship the ground and your foot. I will. All right, I'll do it. Seeing it's you, and you've been good to us and showed us the runaway N-word. But you got to be mighty careful. When we come around, you turn your back, and then whatever we've put in the pan, don't you let on you see it at all. And don't you look when Jim unloads the pan. Something might happen. I don't know what. Above all, don't you handle the witch things. Handle them, Ma said. What is you a-talking about? I wouldn't lay to wait or my finger on them, nor for ten hundred thousand billion dollars. I wouldn't. End of chapter. So there's some baking going on. The only way this plan can work is if you have a guy on the inside who is just scared of witches and it's just silly. <laughs> it's time for PPP, problematic points to ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? PPP real quick. There's the N-word thrown around in there. It talks about how um, just because Tom's a white person, they're going to do his plan because he supposedly knows more somehow. Yeah. Don't know how. People wouldn't want to ban them. They, they would want it to be required reading then. Certain people, for sure. Certain, certain people. Did you hear about the Trump sneakers? No. So Trump launched his own line of tennis shoes today. He said, I've wanted to do this for a long time. No, that makes sense. Because when you see a physique like that, that's finally something that makes sense. Why doesn't he just come out with a line of girdles? I mean, seriously, his whole, like his followers, they can all use them. Many, many of them. Girdles for men. Lingerie for men. Frank, have you ever considered wearing something for support? Now look at this. Mind you, this is just a prototype. You want me to wear a bra? No, no. A bra is for ladies. Meet the bro. That really would be so perfect for Trump. Lingerie for men. Put America yeah. first. Girls. Oh my God, I gotta get a picture of this. They're golden. Golden <laughs> girdle. Oh, his no, shoes the are sneakers gold. are golden. He took the Remember stage when... at SneakerCon. SneakerCon. Is there anything this man can't do, Jen? It's the perfect title, Sneaker Con. He is three ninety nine. That's right. Three ninety nine. Three hundred and ninety nine dollars for these gaudy shoes. They booing him. Yeah. Thank you. We have lines going all around the block. They're going all around this block. They've never seen. Never seen anything like these lines, Jennifer. But better than the bro is a girdle. Like that is like cutting. <laughs> and he should be wearing a gold girdle. Girdle? Girdle. Gird gold. From Bandworthy to Bingeworthy. Hey fans of Bandcamp, my name is J.P. Derbogosian. I love Bandcamp because fighting back against book bans was one of the reasons why I launched the podcast, This Queer Book Saved My Life. As I saw LGBTQ books being banned from schools and politicians saying we can't even say the word gay in our classrooms, 
I thought we need to get into how important queer books are and how they save lives. And in some cases on the podcast, we mean that literally. On each episode, a new LGBTQ guest shares with us the book that helped them find the language to come out or begin their gender transition or deal with homophobia in their family. And then we bring in the book's author to find out what it took to write that book. How did it get out into the world? How did it change the author? We were just nominated for a GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding Podcasts, and I hope that you can check out This Queer Book Saved My Life everywhere you stream your podcasts. So as you know, we love This Queer Book Saved My Life. It is definitely an awesome, awesome podcast. And this is an awesome, awesome podcast. The, quote, fine, quote, dining podcast is a winner. Most food reviewers detail the intricacies of bites so delicious no one could possibly afford to try them. But the Fine Dining Podcast? It's for the rest of us, baby. Join me, your host, Michael Ornelas, as I weather the caloric avalanche of every chain restaurant in America in search of which one is the most mediocre, a title they don't even realize they're vying for. Are you brave enough to hit up a Waffle House at midnight? I am. Are you willing to eat menu items with words like explosion and volcano in the name? I say bring it on. Does your Google search history include the phrase, am I dying if my fingers go numb and I black out while watching the corporate mandated line dance at Texas Roadhouse? <laughs> yeah, me neither. But the search for the perfect 5.00 dining experience out of 10 is my life's mission, and I won't stop until I find it for you. It's not fine dining, but it's fine. Check out Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, scary book people. You can find us on Instagram at Bandcamp underscore podcast, where you can connect with fellow scary book people, join in the polls and discussions, and you can vent about the evils of book banning. And we really do hope you join our community. We'd love to see you there and engage with you. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Dan Schultz and me, Jennifer Davis. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use. See you next time. See you guys later.